Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers Indiana News blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. On this episode of the LarryInFishers.com podcast, I'd like to welcome Emily Abbott, Director of School and Community Relations for the Hamilton Southeastern Schools. So, Emily, um, it's great to finally have you on one of our podcasts. Thanks for accepting the invitation. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, we want, there, there's some things we want to talk about, but the main subject we want to discuss is something that the school system has just started. Uh, the city has for many years had a citizen's academy. The county has a leadership academy. The police and the fire have their own programs where citizens come in and learn about those parts of, of government or, or the, those parts of, of what the uh, public service is going on. Now the HSE schools are uh, getting citizens involved, trying to learn how things work here in our local schools. You're calling it the HSE Engaged program. It starts up this year, and it's like many other programs. It was to have started last year, and the pandemic threw that out the window. So uh, if you could, please, just, just talk about how the program evolved from an idea to a program that's now in place. Well, like you said, there's been several of these type um, programs happening in our own community and our local neighboring school districts also do something similar. And so I had the privilege to sit in on one over at Carmel and was really impressed with being able to learn about how we were actually at the high school. And so, you know, they have that massive high school. And it was interesting to see the inner workings of it. We got to tour the building. We heard from students and staff. And so with our district being as large as it is and with all these new you know, families moving in, we thought this would be a great time to launch this kind of intimate group where you get a firsthand feel of what the schools are like. And you're not just visiting your child's school, but we're going to take you around to different buildings and um, you'll get to visit different departments. We're going to have um, the group ride the school bus. We're going to have them go through the cafeteria line at one of the elementary schools so they can see just kind of what a day is like for various students and staff members. It's interesting when my daughters, you know, they went grades K through 12 to HSE schools are now adults married and they're in their their mid-20s now. Uh, But I remember when uh, we went to orientation before they started kindergarten and we got to see people. And but the one thing they they uh, really appreciated was they allowed the, the youngsters to ride the bus and that is an experience most of these people going into kindergarten, these children have never experienced. And a lot of the adults hadn't experienced that for years. So you may think, oh, why would you ride the bus? Well, there is something you can learn there. Yeah, for sure. And then just hearing about all the different things that go into having that bus pick up children every morning with the thousands of routes that our transportation department is having to um, put together as a big puzzle. Um, You'll hear from Zach McKinney, our transportation director, just about the decisions that go in when we have our weather delays and closures for that and how he's keeping track of our 300 plus drivers and how those drivers then are keeping track of all of their children that they're picking up every day. I was thinking about this uh, 
some time ago that if you look at, of course, the HSE schools, as you mentioned, very large, fourth largest in the state just in terms of student population at well over 21,000. You've been at twenty between 21.5 and 22. I guess we'll get a count here uh, very soon mm-hmm. for the state. But uh, geographically, if you go to the like Durban Elementary, which is in the northern part of Wayne Township, then you go down to 96th Street, there are times the weather is different. So, you know, the transportation department has a lot to consider as to whether they need to, to have school or go on a different schedule. And uh, it's not an easy decision, but I'm, I'm sure you're very familiar with how that's done. And we were just meeting on that this week to talk about how we were going to deal with delays and closures this year. And um, Mr. McKinney had mentioned about you know, how the weather down in, you know, near Durban can be completely different than what it is up near, you know, 96th Street. So people can experience different things. And it's just, you know, if we can't get the buses to some schools, we can't get them to all of them. Yeah, every time I wake up in the morning, if I happen to get up early and uh, see that there's fog in the area, I mean, even even that can impact uh, whether you want to delay classes in a particular day. You haven't had that happen yet, though, in terms of being bad enough to do that. No, we've been lucky so far, and hopefully the weather will cooperate for most of the year. Well, HSC engaged, uh, you know, when I when I started hearing about it, and you've talked to the school board about it for a while because you had to, to skip a year there. Um, I first want to start with this. I know the numbers, but I'd like you to go into it, just about how many people applied for this program and how many were selected. So we had an, a, a great response, more than we actually thought we would. So we had over 250 people apply for the program, um, and we had a cap of 30. And so we ended up with 29 for our first class. So we went through the applications one by one. Um, and what we did was to try to break each person down by their building that they possibly represent in the various programming. So that gave you an even playing field of, say, about 25 people. And then from there, we tried to search for some of our like retirees or empty nesters or someone who's brand new, maybe doesn't have kids in the system yet, to kind of fill in those remaining spots. But we really wanted each building to be represented, um, then parents with children from different grade levels, their um, involvement in different areas. So some may be newer families and some may be heavily involved. And then we also looked at their professional background. We wanted people from um, all different professions, from realtors to stay-at-home parents to entrepreneurs to um, you know people who work in big corporations. Yes, my wife was PTO treasurer a few years, and the early years of my daughters were in school. So being involved, I mean, you can do it in various different ways, and being involved, let's say, on the PTO board is one of them. There are a lot of other ways. I think I was involved in some volunteer activity at a dad's club at one of the schools where my, my daughters went. So I'm sure the, you consider what involvement or maybe not as involved. You want to get different people in there. But it's interesting because I was curious about the criteria that you used. And I thought, found it interesting that you wanted a cross-section, not just of people with children in school, but some who are waiting to and some who have already had their children in school. So you get a different perspective. And I, so it's interesting. I was going to ask you about how you selected them. You went through that pretty pretty carefully, so thanks for that. Uh, you refer to this as an opportunity, and this is a quote, I think, to engage extended dialogue with leadership and develop an understanding of how decisions and programs are implemented to foster a culture of academic excellence. I think what you're trying to say there is you're trying to immerse some of these these people uh, in what the schools do. I know, for instance, in the City Academy, they spend one 
session at the wastewater treatment plant. And strangely enough, all the different, they looked at police and the council and all the different things. When they do the evaluations, people are more fascinated with the wastewater treatment plant than anything else, which really surprised me. And you'll be interested, I'm sure, to see what your feedback is at the end. But give us an idea how you plan to expose this group to different parts of the school system. So we're going to, you know, obviously touch on some of the high parts. Um, We're going to start off, of course, with our new superintendent and what her vision is for HSE schools. Um, And we're going to be also looking and hearing from our new teacher in residence programs since that was just recently expanded to include that. Um, And then we'll go from elementary, looking at a deep dive of the various elementary programming. Um, We'll head over to the high school where we can look at some of the uh, different classes that are offered, the extracurriculars, um, the various tracks that students may take. Um, We're going to look at our business department and how our finances are done. Um, Obviously, that's a big Uh, thing that people talk about. You know, we have a lot of money flowing in and out of the school district. We have a referendum that will be looming over us, so we want to answer questions about that. Um, We'll be looking at our facilities department, how these buildings are built, you know, the planning that goes into it, uh, our new solar fields that we have powering three of our schools. So we have a lot of interesting things that I don't think, you know, maybe your average parent who is just, you know, with elementary kids, say, would know about unless they're really you know paying attention to the school board meetings. Yeah, you mentioned a lot there, and I, I do remember doing a story on the solar panels out there that you have off uh, Southeastern Parkway over by the I think it's by the Hitch if I remember right. The for people who don't know what that means, that's the Hamilton Southeastern Intermediate and and Elementary School building there, right on Southeastern. Uh, and a little, just a little further away, you have Southeastern Elementary. So those are, are two big buildings right, right close to each other in a very growing area. But, uh, but those solar panels, it's, it's really been amazing. And I, you've had reports uh, before the school board, and that's, that's working out, I think, a little better than expected so far. So that's best. But the other thing you mentioned uh, is that there are some, some, some teaching opportunities that have come up. You've had uh, a teacher in residence at Connor Prairie for a while, but now you've got the Agra Park. That's one of the mayor's favorite uh, projects. He grew up on a farm in North Dakota, and the Agra Park is, Agra Park is sort of a mini farm, if you will, right within the city of Fishers, and that teacher in residence has, has just started, as I understand it. Uh, what can you tell us about how these people will, will get exposed to those, like Connor Prairie and, and the, the agri-park, the, the teacher in residence uh, things? So, unfortunately, these, you know, we're limited on time, so I'm trying to keep everyone, um, you know, an hour and a half for each meeting because most of these people do have to go to work. <laughs> um, so, we'll have visitors in at some of the meetings each meeting will be held at a different location for this first one will be at central office and so our teacher and residences will be here to speak to them and um, go through maybe a a presentation with them with some video and pictures so you can kind of see um, the the different scenes of each place and how their typical days will run Um, but for the rest of the meetings you will be at a building so you'll get to see some of the different things that we're um, you know speaking of and what the what the children are exposed to every day and the amazing things that our staff are doing out at their various campuses. Cause each school really is kind of like its own individual community and they all have different interests and um, very special, unique things at each building, I guess. <laughs> I think culture is a word I would use yes. because uh, I looked at the different schools. My daughters attend and they're twins. So they went through the system together. 
But uh, every building and had a different culture. It doesn't mean it's it's better or worse than any other. They all have a different culture. And sometimes the principal is the one that kind of uh, establishes that culture. It could just be the, the group of teachers and staff together. But you're right, and that's that's something I think you want to uh, expose people to. You, you talked about business management. I covered schools back in the late 70s, early 80s, took 28 years out of journalism to do another uh, line of work. And then when I retired, came back and covered this school board. I was amazed when I came back and covered schools again how how things are the same, and yet they've all changed at the same time. And there have been some big changes in how uh, school systems are funded, the buckets of money you have. It's it's uh, There's been a recent change just in recent years, which, which changes that. So how deep are you going to get these people into that business management side of, of schools? Well, you know, we have a new, a brand new CFO. So that's going to be interesting to have her kind of really jump in. Um, and she's still, you know, trying to learn all the nuances of our school district. While she has a lot of experience in school finance, you know, HSE is a special <laughs> place. And so she's still learning as well. Um, but I imagine she'll want to talk about, you know, how the state funds schools, where our money comes from, um, you know, why we ask for referendums, um, how we are paying for these special programs. You know, I know there's a lot of questions because it does seem like school districts get well-funded, but really when it comes down to it, you know, there's really never enough funding to provide all the various opportunities. And we are really fortunate here in Fishers to be able to give students such great opportunities, you know, expanding their opportunities outside of the classroom especially. Well, yes, and I um – yeah, when it comes to referendum, uh, we could spend a whole podcast on that, so I'm not going to dig into that. But the school board, just a few days before we recorded this, um, spent the entire work session, over two hours, just talking about academics, which they don't always get that opportunity to do. And I think a lot of the board members appreciated that opportunity, talking to the three lead people, Matt Kegley and, and the two other uh, 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 administrators that, that help him with the various parts of academic programs, some of the the data that comes out of that. So as far as, I know that's why a lot of people have an interest in what, what, what are the academic programs, talk about the curriculum. You can talk about the books and, and what the publishers uh, say about the, the books and other resources that are used, but a lot of it is how the classroom teachers take that material and mold it into a class. So how do you plan to help the, the people in this program learn more about that? So we'll break it down by the levels. We'll have um, our... Uh, Stephanie Lone from our elementary to talk about the elementary and intermediate curriculum and those programs. And then we'll have our new secondary director, Michelle Britton-Watts, speak about the high school programming. And so um, obviously there's a lot that goes into both of these sections. Um, so an hour and a half probably really won't be much to give a deep dive. But, you know, we really focus here at student-led learning. And so actually for the elementary, we'll be at the new Southeastern building, which is such a beautiful building. It has such open spaces. Now, it is um, a very populated building, but parents will get to see and our community members will get to see just how our teachers are utilizing these spaces, how they're using the outdoors to take classes and do various um, projects and the hands-on learning. And um, it's just, it's really an amazing experience and it's hard to even put it into words until you, you can actually see it in action. And I think a lot of our questions and concerns from parents started to arise when COVID hit and everybody was taken out of the classroom. And so parents, you know, who were highly involved in our schools, you know, 
were taken, you know, they lost that access. And so I feel like it it hurt the perception that learning really wasn't taking place when they couldn't physically see it all the time happening. And obviously there was a learning curve too with just, you know, learning electronically through Zooms and, you know, Oh, Canvas I, and <laughs> we, we all we all know that. Just talk to any teacher that survived last uh, last year, and it was very challenging for every. They worked awfully hard. Every single teacher I know worked like crazy. They never worked harder in their lives than they worked in that school year last year, and it was still very difficult. It's, it's teaching is 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 difficult in the best of circumstances, and we start putting up hurdles like not being able to to meet in person, which is what. You know, everyone learns to do as a teacher. It's it's a challenge to work around that. So uh, uh, I'm glad that we have students in the classroom. It's still there are still challenges. Pandemics are still being dealt with. One thing I I, I notice you're going to talk about our facilities, and this is what always uh, interests me, especially when I cover school board elections and people are elected to the school board, because I watch the school board campaigns and all the issues that are discussed. And then the school board member wins the election, gets on the school board, and finds out that most of their time is not going to be spent on everything they campaigned on. It's going to be spent on all sorts of nuts and bolts things and facilities. The state law really does give the school board a lot of responsibility. And you have to spend a lot of time on it, whether you like it or not. It's just a requirement. So when these people learn about how they – and think about a school – district as large as HSE, the facility side of it is also a big operation. How do you plan to expose people to that side of, of HSE? So we're lucky enough to have Harry Delks, our facilities manager, who's been around here for a very long time and well-voiced in um, his day-to-day operations. I think it'll be nice for parents to be able to see the different buildings and how they differ. And you can kind of see the ages of them almost as, you know, the different styles of them have been built in different periods of time. Um, So we'll have him, as long as our energy manager, Bob Rice, speak about um, his part with the solar panels. Um, We'll be out at Sand Creek for that part of the um, presentation. So they'll be able to see the solar field out there as well. And um, some of the renovations that are being done in those buildings. You know, it's, uh, I understand you're going to be meeting on a monthly basis. Uh, you say it's going to be about an hour and a half for each meeting. Uh, if you're going to be involved in planning that, that's got to be a challenge. How do you figure out what to, to put in? You have to figure out what you cannot fit in in an hour and a half in these different subjects. So it's not going to be an easy task. No, I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> um, in my mind, I'm like, okay, 10 minutes here, 15 here. Really, I think I would love to have two hours, and maybe we'll expand it to two hours in a future um, year of programming. But right now, we're trying to keep it at an hour and a half. And um, I've told our participants, you know, maybe at the end, if you have additional questions, our leaders can hang around, and, you know, some people who need to get to work can go, and then, mm-hmm. or we can offer tours around the building if we didn't get to cover as in-depth as we'd like for those who can who can stay. But I'm trying to be really respectful of people's time, um, and we're just going to try to cram as much as we can in that short period. You know, here in Hamilton County, the, the county has one way of doing this, and the city has another. The city is like just exposing you to various different parts of the city. The county does that, but they also give you a project to do. I, I don't think you're delving into that quite yet, are you? 
No, I think the end goal in my mind for this would be that these folks walk out with a really good knowledge base and maybe they find an area of interest that they soon can volunteer in or they find a need in one of the buildings and maybe they take it to their other building and offer to, um, you know, develop a task force for, you know, maybe student tutoring or something like that. Um, as being the communications director, I really also hope that these folks will come out with their knowledge base and be able to help, you know, spread information out to people who may not have the full story or may um, be reading some misinformation that's out there. I mean, we're just in an information age where so much is coming from various voices and sides, and it's hard to keep track of. And so having these folks who are going to, going to be very knowledgeable in various areas will hopefully be able to clear up confusion on certain subjects. Nothing like word of mouth to uh, to spread the word as far as how uh, you, how things are actually going in the school system. Have you had your first meeting yet? I know August is the first. Have you had it yet? We're recording this on August 19th. Nope. It'll be on August 26th. So next okay. Thursday will be our first gathering, and hopefully it will go successful. Oh, sure, it will <laughs> be. But uh, it ends in a- the final meeting is in April. So once the final meeting happens, how will you go back and try to evaluate the program? Well, I want to um, have everyone, we're going to give a little quiz out to test people's knowledge at the beginning and find out what maybe um, misconceptions or thoughts that they have about the schools at the beginning. And then we'll obviously issue those same questions again so we can kind of get gauge, you know, where they learned, what they found out that maybe they didn't think happened or, you know, um, just, and then that will give us some information on where we can improve our communications in general. Um, and I know, I just wanted to touch on this real quick. I know a big thing I had read, you know, we had the program is happening during the business hours of the day when people are working. And a lot of people had asked, why couldn't you do this after school or like in the evening? And so the whole purpose of this is to give our participants the chance to see the schools in action with students and teachers working and everybody else working. Um, because if we do it after hours, it's just an empty, empty building. You don't get to see the magic happening. That's right. Good. But the people I mean, who are involved in the school system certainly could come in at night, but it's not the same as seeing a school in operation. Every now and then I'll, I'll volunteer at a school building or I will uh, cover an event at a school building. And some of my volunteer activities, I, I'm coming in on a like an HSE high school on a Sunday to help out a program. Other times I come in during the school day. Completely different atmosphere in the building uh, in the, between those two days. So I think your decision is let, let's immerse people in what's, it's what's happening in the actual school day, which I think is, is going to help people with that experience. I want to talk about something else here because uh, – both of us came from the world of media at one point. I, I left media in 1983, but I worked in radio news. You worked in TV news. You used the name uh, uh, Emily Pace when you worked at WRTV Channel 6. When I worked for Network Indiana, they insisted on giving me another name, so I used the name Larry Mitchell for a while. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, it is different because once you leave uh, a profession that you've had, and I, I worked in radio for a good 14, 15 years before I transition into another career and you're sort of doing the same thing talk about that experience personally and professionally what that was like for you so i was a reporter for 10 years um i traveled i was in four different markets and so i'm originally from south carolina so 
RTV brought me to Indianapolis. Um, and I worked at RTV for two years before I decided that it was time to make a career switch. And I actually had minored in elementary education and college because at the time I went to University of South Carolina, they didn't have a major for education. So you could minor in it and in five years come out with your master's in education plus your bachelor's and whatever you majored in. Confusing, I know. I never finished the master's program, but um, both my parents were public educators. I know this is a roundabout way. So I always had an interest in public education. And really when um, I started to look outside of TV news, um, I had thought this would be a great fit. Um, and so the stars aligned and I got in here and I just feel so blessed. And I always um, told our former superintendent, Dr. Borf, you know, how much I appreciate and thanked him for allowing me this opportunity because I did not have, um, you know, like a traditional marketing or PR background. I'm more of a storyteller. Um, and that's what I still try to do, um, you know, in between everything else that we're tasked with. But it's been a really neat and eye-opening transition. Um, just coming from news, you know, our news agencies are hungry to inform viewers. And so as a reporter, you're foying for information or you're asking questions or you want this and that. And really, I didn't realize how limited, you know, public schools are when it when it comes to giving out information just because of the various laws and the protections that are on our employees and students. And so that's probably been the most eye-opening is sometimes we're not allowed to tell the full story as we would like, um, you know, just because that's what we're limited to by law. Um, but it's been, uh, it's been really fun and um, exciting. And HSE never fails to um, dole out a challenge here or there. <laughs> I was going to say, I, every now and then I'll, I'll check uh, a TV website and I'll see a story about HSC schools. Do people, uh, do the, do the assignment editors and reporters call you say, hey, do you have anything? Does, it, does that happen very much? Um, it comes in waves. You know, sometimes I think there are slow news days where they'll, they'll be searching around for stuff. And then um, sometimes, you know, they're coming because something's happened or we're making a big decision or whatnot. And because we are a large school district um, in our, you know, central Indiana region, we often are the headline or, you know, the place that they come seeking that information. I don't want to ask about any particular thing, but I, I do want to ask this in general. When you have a big thing happening and it involves individuals, staff members, students, or a combination of both, and you've got privacy issues like you mentioned, but the media is beating the door down wanting information from you, I would have to think that you would be in a room with the lawyers and the administrators and you're thinking about what the media needs and what they can have. That must be quite a dynamic when, when an event like that happens. Just talk in general how, how those decisions are made. Um, so w when we have a big, big event, I mean, it is all hands-on deck type feeling with um, our, you know, top exec leadership with um, attorneys involved. And so everybody's trying to work on communicating. And we have so many different audiences with HSC. I mean, you have your internal audience with your staff. And then you have your families and students, and then you have the community, and then you have the media. And so trying to issue various statements and um, gauge what information everyone needs can be a challenge at times. And we really have tried to be as open and transparent as possible. And, um, you know, it is we are at a point where everybody wants to know everything. So, like, there is no... Um, 
just notifying the inf- the affected building or those affected individuals, it ends up being a district-wide statement almost nowadays. And so usually that's what our media partners will receive. Because I remember what was it was not that long ago, there was some kind of a plumbing issue at Fisher's Junior High, and I think they had to close the building. And then you would traditionally think, well, we need to let the families know and, and all that. But everybody wanted to know, <laughs> including me, because people were asking me what was going on. And I just have a small little blog that I run. So, uh, you know, I'm sure the, the, the media companies have a lot more going with that. So, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, the, hasn't the dynamic changed? I mean, I, when I started in the news business, you had radio, TV, uh, you had uh, newspapers, and maybe a few other outlets, but that was the media in those days. Today, the media can be a long list of all sorts of, of platforms where people are, are wanting information. That has really changed the dynamic of your job, has it not? It has, and, um, you know, social media obviously is a beast of its own, and there's so many ways to get that information, and where do you go first to get it? And then you're also, I'm a competitive person just from coming out of news, so I do want to be the first to dole it out, but sometimes I'm, you know, (laughs) upstaged by our own parents or community members who may know what's going on or they drove by and saw something and then it's out there. And then so then we're trying to play catch up on. But we can't always get be first in doling out the information until we have all the facts straight. And, you know, sometimes things have to be confirmed by numerous individuals before we can put stuff out. Um, And that's probably one of my biggest hang ups is, you know, not being able to be like the breaking news reporter that I used to be. (laughs) (laughs) That you have to follow the chain of command and the order. I don't think many people understand the competitive nature of the news business. I mean, in a market like Indianapolis, you have, I think it's four, was it three or four news operations on television. You've got a small radio operation. You, You have a newspaper, but I, I just find that uh, I worked in a market in Columbus, Indiana years ago where we had two radio stations. And, you know, we all knew each other, but we were cutthroat competitors all the time. We all wanted to be first. And, of course, we wanted to be accurate. You have to be careful. I want to make sure you're right. But being first is also something that uh, that you want to be. But I, I'm, it's interesting to hear you say that you still have that competitive spirit even in the job you have now. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm, you know, hassling people to – you know, can you approve this so I can get it out? You know, <laughs> I, I realize I have to pump the brakes sometimes because you're right. We can't issue out information that has um, a factual error in it because then we're having mm-hmm. to reissue another statement. And then sometimes people don't get the second statement. So it, it's really best to go out with your first draft <laughs> and let it be correct. But um, I guess, you know, it's still... I still get excited when, you know, we're able to release various things, positive things. Is there uh, anything you'd like to, our time's about up, anything you'd like to add that maybe I didn't think to ask or you just want to emphasize before we wrap this up? No, I just, um, you know, I hope the people who applied for this year's program and were not able to get in this year will, you know, reconsider doing it next year. We're also going to look at, um, you know, depending on the success of this, maybe offering these presentations and short snippets in the evening it wouldn't be the same you know feeling that you get from being in the building and watching things in action but it would still be able to give you some information to um to use and you could kind of put it in your toolboxes 
stuff just to expose as many people to what we're doing here and all the great things that really are happening. Emily Abbott is the Director of School and Community Relations for HSE Schools. Uh, she's beginning the HSE Engaged program. We'll keep an eye on it and uh, hope it uh, works out well. I hope the people who are in it get a great experience, and I'm sure they will. So, Emily, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase, Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind. Music